0: Welcome to episode 54, where today we're talking about the power of belief. After last week's episode, I was surprised a little bit, okay, maybe not at all, that several people contacted me. They expressed concern over how I made the emotional eating, weight loss, weight gain, or weight acceptance, and body image and body love issues seem insurmountable, like they would never go away. So, First and foremost, I want to apologize if I made you feel hopeless or helpless in your battle to overcome. Although I think those brief moments of hopelessness, at least for myself, are somewhat helpful. Because in those moments, I find myself rallying and gathering all the forces I can muster to prove to myself, as well as to the rest of the world, that it can be done and that I'm the badass to do it. And if you listened last week... And you're here this week, then perhaps you too have rallied, gathered all your forces, and have redoubled your efforts. And one of the points I honestly failed to make about the magic bullet thinking, and it was probably the most important, was this. No book or podcast or pill or guru can do it for you. There are no shortcuts, really, and even the shortcuts there are aren't always that short. But each person's journey is their own, and it takes as long as it takes. The key point is perseverance. Continue providing consistent action and movement. Keep trying to make progress, and no matter what, you will be making progress. When you slip up, have a setback or otherwise don't live up to your expectations, don't decide to just give up. Understand that giving up is the only way you can truly fail. So continue to get up and brush yourself off and try again. Continue reading your books, continue joining your groups and talking to others and getting support. All of those pieces are parts to the puzzle and you will start putting them into their proper places. And that kind of brings me to today's topic, and that's about belief. We've talked about belief before, but I recently had an opportunity to really examine my own beliefs about my self-efficacy. There's your word for the day. That's your belief, or my belief, in my ability to actually do and accomplish what I set out to do and accomplish. And it occurred to me that if you've been struggling with your body or weight issues or eating behaviors and trying to change them for any length of time, then it's possible that you mostly see that effort as a series of failures up until now. I mean, if you hadn't failed, you would have succeeded, right? You'd be done. Body loved. Weight accepted. Eating mastered. Mastered. And all of those instances that you've labeled as F-ups and failures may have made you label yourself as a failure or an F-up. Fast forward a bit, and it may mean that you start another program, read another book, buy another thing, trying to borrow success in the hopes that it's enough to get you where you want to go. What I mean is you may find that you're going through the motions, following the guidelines or the diet or what have you, thinking that if you just keep putting one foot in front of the other and your head down, that you'll get there while secretly in your heart, not really believing that you'll ever really get there. And it's actually pretty easy to break your belief in yourself. Set a goal and then get distracted. Set a deadline and then not make it. Overestimate the amount of energy you have or the amount of effort that it will take. Do it again and again, and you will quietly, without even realizing it, break your belief in yourself. So last week we talked about how we have to stop thinking about body, weight, and eating as items on a to-do list or schools to graduate from but instead more like a journey or a long-term habit-breaking. What that also means is that we have to think about those instances where we slip, backslide, or screw up as something other than failures. After all, you can't fail on a road trip. We have to do this so we can rebuild our belief in ourselves and our ability to manifest this life that we say that we want. And research shows that how much you believe in yourself has a direct correlation or impact on how successful you will be, no matter the topic or the subject matter. What's good is that you can develop and build your belief in yourself. Do you remember this story? From your childhood about the little engine that could? Chances are you haven't heard that story in years. In the story, a long train needs to be taken over a tall mountain, but its engine breaks down. So several larger engines are asked to pull the train and they, all for various reasons, mostly lack of belief in themselves, refuse to help. But the little engine who doesn't even really believe in himself either, agrees to try. And so, he repeats the affirmation or mantra, I think I can, I think I can, over and over. And as he builds smaller successes, that mantra becomes, I know I can, I know I can. And he pulls the train over the mountain. Self-efficacy. The engine's belief in himself That he could do hard things is what powered it and made it get up over the mountain. It's the knowing that you can count on yourself when the chips are down and that you can and will do your best whenever possible. I think it's important to point out here that in the beginning, the little engine wasn't sure. He didn't know. He was presented with a challenge and he agreed to try. How this applies to us is twofold. Number one, we begin to focus on even the smallest of successes so that we can begin to see that we do succeed sometimes, even when we're talking about body image or food issues. I mean, every time you look in the mirror and think, hey, I don't look too bad, that's a win. And it's a win that you don't probably remember for more than a minute. Every time you pass by the box of donuts in the break room and don't have one, that's also a win. And it's a win if you want one and don't have one, but it's also a win if you don't want one and don't have one. With the example of the donut, we get hung up on the fact that we want it and say to ourselves, we can't have it, which only makes us want it more. And because we get caught up in the loop of want it, can't have it, want it, can't have it, we feel like a failure because we don't want to have to do that mental dance or that inner battle of wills of want it, can't have it. So we totally miss the fact that regardless of the battle that's going on inside us, we're actually winning because we're not eating the donut. Now, just a side note here, it sounds like I'm being very judgmental about donuts and junk food in general. I'm not. I think that all food has a place on the spectrum of eating. I pick things like donuts, cakes, ice cream, and cookies because they are things that people have a tendency to not be able to control themselves around or to automatically eat in spite of not being hungry, not because they are quote-unquote bad for you. So, number one is to look for, notice, focus on, even write down your successes so that you will know And remember that you are actually having them. Now, number two is to begin the process of reframing your failures. This takes a bit more time and thought and energy, but it is so worth it if you want to see some real improvement. So don't skip this part. And actually a lot of us do skip this part and gloss it over. And we do this for a couple of reasons. Number one, failures are painful, and by revisiting them, we think that we may have to experience a bit of that pain again. However, if you do this process, that painful moment or event that you used to call a failure won't be that anymore. And how cool would that be? Number two, we have to face the number of times we have let ourselves down or not met our own expectations. This is hard. But again, the process will help you integrate that experience and learn from it instead of just using it as a cattle prod to try and goad yourself into not taking that same action again or to just generally make yourself feel bad. Number three, it may be safer to continue to fail or to continue to be in pain. Sometimes the pain of where we are, sure, it sucks, but it's what we know. We know how to do it. We know how to survive it. We've been living it. If we were to move on from body image issues or weight or eating issues, what would we do with all of our time and energy then? Would people ask more of us? Would we require more of ourselves? Is it easier to stay where we are and continue the struggle in our comfort zone of pain? Okay, so assuming you're not going to skip this part, how do you start reframing a failure? Well, number one, stop calling it a failure. You can call it feedback, or a learning opportunity, or a chance to regroup. If you're transitioning into a road trip or journey type metaphor, maybe you made an unscheduled pit stop. Or a detour. Maybe you took a side road to see how it would turn out. And that's a perfect way to think about it. Sure, you're trying to get from where you were, point A, to where you want to be, point B, but it's rarely a straight line and you're bound to need to stop to pee or take pictures. So just think about it. There you are traveling down the road and you see a billboard for something really interesting. And you think, this will only take a minute. So you get off, stop, get out of the car, look around, take some pictures, chat with a couple of the locals who live there. Sometimes it's just a minute and you get back on track. Sometimes you decide to stay a while. Either way, when you get back on the road, you get to decide whether that stop was worth it. Sometimes it is. Sometimes it's not. And only by making those stops and figuring it out, figuring out what you like, what you don't like, and figuring out what's worth it to you and what's not, can you determine the things that you think are worthy of stopping for or taking a detour for. Each stop, each detour, each overnight stay that turns into weeks or months, those are lessons Opportunities to learn more about yourself? What interests you? What attracted you to get off the track in the first place? Were you forced off? Did you find yourself sitting in traffic, getting impatient, and decide to take this off ramp because movement has to be better than sitting still, only to find that it took you longer to get around the slowdown than it would have been to just sit through it? As is often the case when you find yourself stalled out on a diet plan or program. So your challenge is to look at the instances that you've labeled failures. When you fell off that diet wagon or gave in emotionally and ate a gallon of ice cream and pick it apart. Why that particular ice cream? Was there something about that particular flavor or brand What was happening before you tripped up? Did you have a stressful day, a trigger, a fight, or were you just tired? Why did you throw in the towel and give up on your goal? What made you decide all of a sudden that it wasn't worth it? What made you decide that trying to drown your discomfort in a pile of brownies would make you feel better? If you find that you always have a tendency to go to a certain flavor of ice cream, or candy bar, or cookie, dive deeper. Why is that? Dive deeper than because I like it. What does it remind you of? What is it similar to? Who does it remind you of? Most of us emotional eaters find that our emotional eating starts because we're uncomfortable or in pain. And when I say pain, I mean we're sad, or feeling hopeless, helpless, betrayed, rejected, abandoned, or something along those lines. In fact, it's very interesting to me. If you had a cut, or a burn on your arm, would it ever occur to you to slather chocolate chip cookies on it? Chips and hot sauce? Bread with butter? Pizza and haagen No. You'd clean it, dress it, put an appropriate salve on it, cover it with a bandage. And yet, here we are, cramming all this food and drink and sometimes alcohol and shopping and drugs and games and all kinds of things into the broken and hurting places in our hearts and souls, trying to heal our wounds. And it just doesn't work. So the question is, What are you trying to do when you eat emotionally? Feel better? Sure, I get that. But dive deeper. Are you wanting to feel loved? Accepted? Are you wanting to feel appreciated? Validated? To feel significant? Are you missing connection? Friendship? Family? Are you trying to resolve anger at yourself or someone else? Are you trying to salve a rejection, a betrayal? When you dive deeper, not only do you short-circuit the panic mode that sends you to the kitchen, but you create space, an opening, where you can learn more about what happens with you, to you. And more importantly, you get a chance to think about and figure out better and more healing ways to solve your problems and heal your hurts. All you have to do is commit to trying, just like the little engine that could. Persevere. Think you can, just like the little engine that could. And before you know it, you'll know that you can. And you'll be over that mountain. I hope that this has been helpful for you today. And I hope that this exercise helps you to reframe some of your slip ups, your backslides, a.k.a. failures, so that you can see them for what they are. Momentary blips, opportunities for feedback and learning, and nothing more than that. And as long as you get up and get back on track, and keep heading down the road towards your goals, then you are still headed towards your destination, even if it takes you just a smidge longer to get there. If you have any questions or want to talk to me about this topic, I would love to talk to you. You can reach me on Facebook at fb.me forward slash coach Christy R. Hall or at my website, www.christyrhall.com. Thanks so much for listening, and I'll talk to you soon.